Cuspers is a grown-up podcast about being a kid. Sometimes that's silly, and sometimes that's heavy. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello friends, and welcome to Cuspers, a podcast about growing up. I'm your host, Joseph Bricker, he, him, born 1995. Yes, that's right. Yes, you saw the title. It's another installment of the Back Home Summer Special Series. Yeehaw! One beautiful thing about traveling is getting to see people I love. And all the people I've been interviewing are guys that I've been friends with for a long time. Which, the more life I live, the more I realize is a bit of a rare thing. But I'm really enjoying getting to celebrate these friendships. And today, I'm celebrating by talking with my pal, Graham. We ask the real tough questions, like, is emo a phase? Let's hop in. I'm here with Graham Schmidt, he, him, 1995. Graham, thanks for being here, bud. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. Uh... Graham, what I'm really loving right now is this background you got behind you. It's, are those, I don't know if they're Legos or if it's just like mm-hmm. model building. It's Legos? They are Legos. They're all the little city block kits that have been a collection over like 10 plus years of Christmas gifts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Proudly on display behind me. Now, have you always been a big Legos guy? Yeah. I mean, as far as I can remember, I wasn't ever getting the big kits um it was just like the little bits and bobs that i i got as a child but i always loved building legos i don't think i knew this about you yeah i mean it it wasn't like a forefront passion and i guess if i'm thinking back on it my early lego career was just we had the big tub of miscellaneous pieces it wasn't the like pre-planned ones but that's you know that was my humble beginning Today actually is going to be a retrospective on your Lego career. So oh, okay. we're starting from the beginning. Let me get my I, I had like the big Lego blocks. And I, I do think they were technically Lego. Okay. I don't think it was a different brand. Or whatever the alternate was. But it was like, but they were larger. Okay. When I was little. Building lots of things with those. It's a good time. Do you like smashing a Lego creation or does that feel bad to you? When I was younger and it wasn't the sort of pre-planned Lego kit, I'm sure I got quite a bit of joy out of destroying it. Now, all I can think of is the hours and the sorting and (laughs) the blood, sweat and tears that went into the kit. If I had, so I've moved these kits from a couple places I've lived now and they were dedicated car rides. There was a second person with hands on. So the idea of smashing them I mean, that would break my heart. Is there like a special glue or anything you can use to try and maintain you, their integrity? I'm sure you could. I, I haven't I haven't glued any of them down yet. I, I, I like the risk, you know? Mm-hmm. I like the risk. Yeah. You know, what's life if not a little bit dangerous? If, if it was too safe, where's the fun? No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So you and I had not yet met while we were both still in our prime Lego days. You and I, in fact, did not meet until middle school. At a theater camp called Camp correct. Center Stage, later camp called Stageworks. Stage. Yes, that is correct. We were well on our way into pubescence uh, when we met. Mm-hmm. 
which, hey, which is fair game, Cuspers fans. Pubescence <laughs> is growing up. Um, <laughs> it, remind me, was this summer after seventh grade or summer after eighth grade that we first um, met? Because I think we only did two summers together. Uh, yes, I remember doing two summers and it, it had to have been after seventh because I don't think I did any camp center stage during sort of my freshman year high school era. So it would have been seventh mm-hmm. and eighth grade sort of timelines. Yeah. So just a little bit of context. The specific camp that we did was for kids summer after sixth grade through summer after ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So you and I must have done summer after seventh grade and summer after eighth grade. I believe so. Yep. Uh, and I think we were doing a comedy show. Was it 30 Reasons Not to Be in a Play? Was that the first one we wow. did together? Yes, I think that was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And l- let me see how much you remember. Because you and I, I think we were friendly, but we didn't necessarily like hit it off right away. Like we liked each other, but it wasn't yeah. like, boom, connection, best friends. Yes, I agree. And I think that was actually the case for all of the friends that ended up comprising our, our close friend group during camp center stage we all got to know each other at camp um but it wasn't until the high school years where things really solidified because there's something about doing theater in middle school that is both very intense but also a little mm-hmm. you know there's a little bit of distance there's just so much happening that like you sure. don't necessarily like form super super close bonds with everybody involved i would agree with that but it's also i think a great environment for the beginnings of great friendships because of that sort of vulnerability and exposing yourself through making a wild choice during improv or something like that. Um, so I think it's it's a good breeding ground. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I did theater together all through high school, like from yes. somewhere after seventh Correct. grade at this camp. And then we went to high school together. But you're not you're not really a theater guy now, or at least you're not doing theater. No, I definitely wouldn't say so. I haven't really been involved in the world after high school did you feel like in high school that you were still interested in and passionate about theater or was it like at that point all of your friends were the theater kids and so you were just sticking around for that no i enjoyed the act itself i was never it, i mean certainly part of it was was the community and i think in the more formal like the stage shows and the musicals i like participating in the musical quite a bit because I liked the music and the dancing. Um, But the really sort of nitty gritty acting was never my forte. But um, if you recall, you know, we participated in forensics, which I always describe to people as competitive acting. And my friend, Charlie, who I think you've already had the the show with him, he and I won state. So we took that quite seriously. So I I enjoyed um, that side of things. quite. Yeah, that's right. You guys were really, really good at it. You always pulled out excellent, excellent work. Well, we were identical, the same height. We wore matching suits. So I think we just razzle-dazzled people all, all the way to the top. Yeah, not, I mean, not really identical. You guys, no. you, you, you just are, at the time, we're similar heights and both have blonde hair. And like, that is the extent of it. Yeah, and so we ran with it. Yeah, them. but that's <laughs> enough. In high school, in middle school and high school, that's enough for people to say, you two look exactly the same. We regularly got, are you guys related? When, I mean, completely different feature sets. That was the only thing we had in common. I want to flash back a little bit to middle school. What a time. This was peak like swoopy hair. Sure. I think initially inspired, not inspired by, but but popularized by Justin Bieber and uh, many mm-hmm. other bands. But not to say that like you and I were ever like believers, but it was also sure. very popular like in the pop punk scene. Yeah. 
I was rocking that haircut to the point where I remember being very frustrated that the uh, sports clips lady had cut probably a full inch and you could see the bottom of my ears. Um, like I, I went shaggy and as the years went on, it sort of came up into the Bieber cut. But yes, I was about that life. Yeah. Were you like deep into the pop punk scene? Like by the time I knew you in middle school? I would say so. Yes. And I think the the biggest catalyst for getting into the scene was it would have been middle school years. In the summers, I used to go to a YMCA camp for a week or two overnight. And I was fortunate enough to have a hand-me-down iPod and the Welcome to the Black Parade album mm. had released around that time. Mm. And it was just on repeat um, fueling my emotions. So I was, I was deep in it. Do you, okay, this is going to be a con- potentially controversial moment. Is sure. emo a phase? Is emo a phase? I think it, it, it is. I think it is a phase. I it's think not it a phase, something... mom. It's not a phase. <laughs> I think it's something you can choose to carry with you. And I do um, as a part of my history. But would I consider myself an emo now as I certainly did back then? You don't think you're an elder emo? You're not every now and then pulling out some black. I'm literally currently wearing black skinny jeans. <laughs> I mean, those those things flash up, right? And I think that's part of carrying it with you. But the the rib, the skinny jeans that could have been leggings are no longer in my closet band tees are hung up and not on me currently. So. You know that thing where like people will take, I know of it mostly as like a musical theater thing where like it used to be such a thing where like you would get shirts for like every show you were in mm-hmm. and then people would take those shirts and like cut them and make them into quilts. And it was a very mm-hmm. popular thing, like especially like when theater kids were graduating high school, like somebody mm-hmm. in their life would take their shirts, cut them up and then make those shirts into a quilt. Would you ever do that with your band shirts? I think my mom, not a quilt, but made a pillow. She was sort of a hobbyist at home. And I think she did take several of my middle school era shirts and turn them into a pillow for me. So I think it has been done. But if I had any band shirts remaining, I'd kind of want to keep them intact. Mm-hmm. What, why is yeah. that? You know, to retain their value. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, One day they're no, going to have huge the, resale value on the market. Exactly. No, I think um, to throw on occasionally and, and sort of cosplay the, the early years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're cosplaying, like if you were to sort of like go back a little bit to that middle school, early high school fashion? For me, yes, because I think I've, you know, had the different eras of my life in it. So it would be revisiting a past one. I'm not rocking the, the band tees too often. these days. What is your relationship to that version of yourself now? I mean, do you look back at like pictures in middle school and cringe or how do you feel? In middle school specifically, I don't think there's there's a lot of cringe for me when I look back. I think those were for, so middle school would have been the time that I finally convinced my parents that I could switch from taking piano lessons to guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that began an era of confidence building, which culminated in the band that we participated in in high school together. Huge um, I, drop you know, for the audience to know that yes. Graham and I and Charlie were in, were in a band together in high school. <sighs> Good times. But. A predecessor to that was a talent show, I want to say, in eighth grade, where I performed with some friends that I convinced to join me, Smoke on the Water, which tickled our drama teacher, Jeff Yarnell, to no end that that was the the song choice of ours. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember distinctly, you know, people came up to me, they complimented how the performance went. So I think that music, that energy began sort of building young Graham's confidence. So I imagine you were playing guitar for this. Were you also singing? No, we uh, we grabbed a, a lead singer. I still 
can't sing and play guitar at the same time. They're two separate activities. It's uh, it's hard. It, singing and doing yeah. anything else at the same time is incredibly difficult. I don't know how people do it with such. I mean, I do know how they do it with such skill. They practice, but mm-hmm. who does yeah. that? Who has time for practice? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why we are not still in a band together? <laughs> yeah. That practice? What? No. No, we just show up and scream. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. So, Grant, this whole like summer special is about going back home and visiting home. And you currently mm-hmm. live in the general area, but nearby the place where we all grew up together. How Correct. long is it now that you've been in the spot that you're in now? Since uh, April of 2020, when everything was going down. So just over three years at this point, which is crazy to say out loud. What was that like for you to be going back to the suburbs of Kansas City then? And then how do you feel about it? now how has your experience of it changed sure i mean coming back was uh, a wild time where i think uh, certainly everybody was in these sort of temporary situations quote unquote during you know the pandemic that ended up being not so temporary i returned to kansas city at the request of my dad who's uh, an er doctor he was watching things going down and he said you know maybe a big city isn't the place to be while we're learning about all of this uh why don't you come back so I, I was always under the impression, we're like, all right, we're going to see how long this lasts. Um, and then, you know, job changes happen, lots of life changes happen. And so at that point, I was just taking things a day, a week, a month at a time. It was it was very strange coming back. And I was coming back to stay not with my parents directly, but at my grandfather's old house, which was now available. Um, so it was a house stubbornly stuck in 1978. I think it's purchase date. So that was a strange environment to return back to. But looking back, I'm fairly happy with coming back. I think being able to, I had lived in Chicago prior for probably six years. That was for college and then coming out of college to work. And it was a new opportunity to spend a lot more time with my parents, which I don't think I was appreciating how much I had missed them um, while I was gone and what that time together now uh, meant. Yeah. And, you know, now that we're a little over three years later, does this place you're in now, does it feel like Mm -hmm. home? Do you feel like you are back home or like you're in a new home? It is. It is a new home, both speaking literally about the house. We've dragged it kicking and screaming into the modern century as far as the styling goes, but also Kansas City, because when I had lived here previously, obviously it was through the lens of uh, a kid growing up and, you know, just sort of achieving freedom and and things of that nature. And now I come back as a quote unquote adult uh, and I get to to take a look at it through that lens. And it's a whole new exploration of the city. What are some of your favorite things that you have discovered about Kansas City since you've been back? I spent almost no time downtown as a young person. Uh, so getting to try all of the interesting restaurants and bars, appreciating that downtown Kansas City is relatively walkable. Uh, that's one of the things I loved about Chicago. And so now um, when I was spending time down there, just being able to walk out of an apartment and take a left or take a right and walk to wherever I'm interested in going. That was certainly fun to uh, discover. So when you think about growing up, mm-hmm. what are like the big pillars for you? What are like the first flashes that come to mind when I just ask you like, hey, Graham, what was growing up like? That's a great question. I'm immediately drawn to grabbing my bicycle and riding over to friends' houses Um, or just around to wander down the trails, or especially, so with my dad's schedule, he'd work odd night shifts and crazy stuff like that, and um, he would often be asleep when I was awake, and so 
in an effort to spend some time together. When he would have to stay up the night prior to a night shift to flip his schedule, we would go on what he called night rides, where we would both grab our bicycles starting at about midnight and ride from our house to an IHOP or a Denny's or whatever was open in mm-hmm. the suburbs 24 hours um, down empty streets, uh, which I, I hold yeah. near and dear to my heart. Another pillar of growing up. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess middle school era. Everybody does a lot of growing up in middle school in various different ways. And I know for yeah. me, I think a lot about when I think about growing up, not really a like solid image. But one thing I do think about, like, especially, you know, like as a man moving through the world is that like sometimes it feels like growing up is a messy thing. And it's one of those things where I think all of the guys that we are friends with, like we're all really good guys. And I think we've always had each other's back. And I think that's incredibly important for men to, to look out for each other, not in a way where like men defend and excuse their behavior, but like we need to like, we need to have relationships like amongst men, like amongst ourselves. And so I value like the friendship with Absolutely. you and the friendship with the other guys like so, so much. Cause I think that is how we unlearn toxic masculinity is like by holding other men accountable, but like also holding and loving space for them. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the things that or several of the things that our group provided that I think are unique, especially as I continue to get to know folks who describe us and our group as uh, unlike other guys, maybe they've met in the past, where we do have this space where we can gestate and analyze maybe things that, you know, questions we have about how to go about things with each other, where it's it's safe to maybe suggest something that could be wrong to the group, but, you know, help each other work through that and learn and, and yeah. be better people. Yeah, we had a lot that of uh, what we called DMCs, which were deep, meaningful conversations in basements. Yes. So, so frequently they needed an acronym. Yeah. Like we would say like, Hey guys, I need a DMC right now. <laughs> I need a DMC. We got to talk about this. And and the group was there for it, uh, which I, I, I don't think we could have possibly realized in the time how g- great that was to have that space and that sort of thing. to Absolutely. On. And we also were like a bunch of weirdos. Uh, and I, and I, I say this oh, with absolute love, I say with absolute love. I think you were probably the most normal of our group of friends. Like, really? I'm not saying you're not a weirdo, Graham, but I think you were the most normal. Yes. Okay, I'll take that. One thing I remember very specifically that was so irritating to me, at the, not irritating to me, but that I actually have <laughs> so much respect for now, was you almost never spent the night when we were spending the night. You were always like, hey, whenever <laughs> we're ready to go to bed, like I'm going home because my, my bed yeah. is more comfortable than sleeping on the couch here. Which I continue to get flack for to this day. So I'm glad there was at least some appreciation. Because I figured the night has ended and I can either sleep on a couch or I can go home to my bed. Because it wasn't that far away. <laughs> and so I took the light. Oh, I know. And, and in hindsight, now that I have done a little bit more growing up myself, I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I really respect him for holding firm that boundary. No matter how much shit we gave him for leaving the sleepover. Mm-hmm. It... I, mm-hmm. I, I hats off to you, Graham. Hats off to you. Well, thank you. But the flip side of that coin is apparently there were some IHOP runs that I missed out on and I can't ever go back and get them. So I slept soundly, but at what cost? At what cost? I think that's something we should all ask ourselves. Like, you know, hey, if you sleep soundly at night, at what cost? <laughs> What's not keeping you up? Thank you. Somebody finally said it. Thank you so much. Graham, this has been so lovely chatting and checking in. 
seeing how things are going with you. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, like, do you have any final thoughts about childhood, about growing up, about growing up together, about being back home? I mean, certainly, yes. Being back home was scary, certainly in the way that it arrived, but I truly think has put me in a place that I'm really appreciative to be back around my family, back around some some set of friends. And so I'm I'm glad that it was a blessing in disguise. And to you and the other guys that uh, we grew up with, I'll never be able to thank you enough for creating that space that allowed us to make mistakes and collectively learn from them um, because it's made me the man I am today. The man you are today. And, and what a wonderful man you are. Oh. Something I was also thinking about, the way, the, I think the way you are uh, thanking us, and you're welcome, by the way, um, <laughs> is you are now the dungeon master for our current Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Which, which is such a service to give to your friends. I give and I give. <laughs> and it is my way of saying thank you both to the group uh, who comprises most of the party, uh, but also to you, our previous dungeon master who led Stop. Uh, a up. couple campaigns Shut for us. Shut up. Okay. This is about you. Sorry. This is about you. You already told everybody we were in a band. Do not tell people I was the dungeon master. Am I giving too much away? This is, Next time. This is too podcast. vulnerable. This is too vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I'll take all the credit. Absolutely, as you should. And I know I said before I let you go, and then I introduced a new topic. So briefly, briefly, what do you think it is about Dungeons and Dragons, which I think can be described, I would say unfairly, but can be described as maybe a childish pursuit? Like, what do you think makes it so attractive to a bunch of adults? I mean, I, I, I think I could talk at length, but what I'll say is, it provides an opportunity for us as adults to return to a place of play, which you could assign as childish, but I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think it gives us obviously this escape into a fantasy world where we can disappear into lives that are so extravagant and then combine that with all of our sort of backgrounds and instincts in in improv and in theater and just getting to bounce off of one another in a way that the real world doesn't really provide context for. There you go. So much wisdom, Graham. So (laughs) much wisdom and excellent DMing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, bud. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. We'll talk next time we play D&D in approximately a week. Of course we will. Thank you for having me. All right. Love you, man. Love you too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cusper's Back Home Summer Special Series. If you've got some wild memories with childhood friends, I'd love to hear them. You can DM me on Instagram at joseph.bricker or email the show at thecusperspod at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Jean-Claude and the Eclairs for the use of their song, All It Ever Was, as the intro and outro of the show. All other music is by Calvin Adams. You can find all those folk stuff anywhere you buy or stream music. Show art is by the sniffiferous John Charles Bricker. I've been Joseph Bricker, and I'll be back next week with a new episode for you. In the meantime, remember to keep on kidding around. Be well.